Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. They consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Hi, my name is Carrie Seaburn, professional engineer, and this is Unstruct. Unstruct is the podcast where we share the stories from within your walls to help you understand how they stand today. Hello and welcome back to Unstruct. I am so happy that you are here today. This is a super fun and intriguing conversation and I am so excited about it and I can't wait to dig into it or to hand it over. But with this episode, I interviewed Kat Stevens. So Kat is a master's in architecture student at the University of Westminster in London, England. She has also interned with Zaha Hadid architects. And that is kind of where I think she was introduced to the world of AI, artificial intelligence in architecture. So she kind of developed a passion for that. And really over the past couple of years has really been exploring how AI can be used in particular in the architectural space. But I think this also carries over into the structural engineering space. So when I first met Kat, I really didn't have much of a foundation or a knowledge base for artificial intelligence and AI work in architecture and structural engineering. And she really opened my eyes and kind of helped me to explore kind of the possibilities. So I think 
for our industry in the architectural engineering and construction space. It is crazy in the best way time. We've been on the precipice of new ways of doing things before, but I think AI is the next thing that we are kind of being challenged with implementing. And I think with new technologies comes new responsibilities. I think it is important to be ethical and responsible with the implementation of AI work. So we kind of dig into that a little bit too, but Obviously, I am not an expert in this, and I would love to know even more, but I really hope that this discussion with Kat kind of opens your eyes as to possibilities of AI in architecture and structural engineering, and also just creates that foundation, that benchmark, and really, I think it's also kind of a goal to just carefully open up this new technology and tread lightly, walk into it, maybe dip our toes into it instead of jumping all in. And I think that's exactly what Kat has been doing with this. And I think it is so fascinating. She has over 32,000 followers on LinkedIn. So she's putting a lot of these AI images out through her feed. And I think just that reception shows that this is something new and exciting and people are really wondering what it's all about. So hopefully this episode will answer some questions and probably create more questions, but I think that's just where we start and I think that's an awesome place to be. So with that, I will hand it over to Kat. Kat, I know it's a busy time, but thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me, Carrie. I'm happy to be here. Well, awesome. Okay, so we connected over LinkedIn. You were posting some really cool artificial intelligence or AI work through your LinkedIn. And I also noticed that I am in good company because you have about 32,000 followers on LinkedIn. So I think what this means is that you're pretty amazing. And I think it also means that AI is something that people are really talking about these days. And I would love to dig into this a little bit with you. So let's just get started. Okay, so AI, artificial intelligence, and we're just going to be talking about how that is used in architecture and structural engineering, because this is a huge topic. It's a buzzword right now. It's all over the place, but we are going to try to stay focused into the architectural and structural engineering space. So with that, what are some of the prevalent platforms that you are currently using, So yeah, when AI first came out, it was mostly the hype was around the imaging AI. So there's a platform called Midjourney, which you can generate these incredible images on. Quite a few people might be familiar with it. It's a website and it's a server on Discord. So the yeah, the whole algorithm of that is quite interesting. And then there are some other platforms like DALI and Stable Diffusion, which also generate the images. And then there are text AIs like ChatGPT. So there's a massive range of AI platforms that have came out recently, but I think kind of my interest does lie in the imaging AIs and the potential that they have in terms of architecture and what you can develop there. Yeah. So how did you first get involved with AI work? 
So I had a colleague who reached out to me. This was about two years ago. And they were like, wow, this platform called Mid Journeys just came out. You can basically type anything in and it will generate images of whatever you want it to. So they said to me, you know, you've got to try this. And this was when, you know, it was kind of still in beta. Not many people were using it. So I hopped onto it and I kind of just said, you know, imagine me an amazing architectural skyline that's very futuristic and yeah I was just blown away with what it generated and the rest is history you know it's been evolving so so fast and yeah the the jump from when it first came out to now is is incredible to see. Yeah so how many years ago was that do you think? Two, yeah I think this was two years ago so quite recent in terms of technology. Yeah, that's crazy. So are these platforms that you just talked about, so the Dolly and Discord mid-journey will kind of stay focused on the graphic AI platforms, but are they open source or do you have to pay for them? So mid-journey, you have to pay for it. I think with all of the softwares, you kind of get a few free images. So if you're just curious and you'd like to go on there and just play around, you can do that. You can create an account on on Discord with Midjourney and an account on Dali and you get I think somewhere between like five and 20 free images and then if you want to use it professionally or you want to generate more images then you have to pay and it's somewhere in between you know 10 to 30 dollars a month depending on the level of professionalism that you want to achieve. Sure. Okay. So I think when you worked at Zaha Hadid at that practice, were you guys using AI, using these platforms, implementing them into your projects? So I think the implementation side of it, it wasn't quite there. So I know that in practices, it's more so used as an idea for the client. So a client would come to us and say, you know, we have this idea, this is what we want. And I know that quite a few practices do this as well. So we would say, okay, um, describe it to me. And this is the describe feature on Mid Journey. So you describe, okay, I want a curvy building with plants inside of it. I want gold detailing, you know, all of these little things that you might want to implement to make your design unique. And then we would put that into the AI. It would generate some initial ideas And then that's when it's kind of good to go to the client and say, is this what you were envisioning? And they would say, yes, this is great. Or they would say, okay, you know, maybe add a bit more texture to the color scheme or, and then you can just make the changes based on that. But I think that building AI is something that's, you know, that's a whole topic in itself, which is where there's a difference between creating a pretty image and making it buildable as well. And that's quite a new challenge that, a lot of I think the design industry in general is is facing yeah well and I think that's such an important thing to note for the listeners that like it doesn't have to be full implementation of the whole project it's not like we're going into Revit and saying AI crank out this building it is little tiny pieces at a time I guess the thing that comes to mind like what you're talking about with generating these images for clients it's almost like an augmentation of interpreting and imagination. So, so many times we as humans, someone dreams up something in their head, but there's no way to, there are ways you you describe it, but it's very difficult for one person's interpretation of their imagination to 
go over to someone else's imagination. Like that's hard work. And that is the work of the architect is to interpret that, that vision, that thing that's in someone's imagination. But with AI, it's not just one thing. Like you get multiple chances at this. So instead of an architect spending four hours generating a sketch that is their interpretation of these descriptors from someone else's imagination, now you can spend 15 seconds and put it into an AI software program and you get three or four images and then you can kind of pick and choose from that. Is that is that a correct interpretation, I guess? Exactly. I would say so because like you mentioned, like the beauty of this, you know, AI is that it frees up time for a lot of architects to to focus on less mundane tasks so it does the sketching for you it generates the ideas for you and that like you mentioned this can take a lot of time um as a lot of you know artists designers will know these kind of things can you know it can set a project back by a few months in the early stages so just having that tool there is a huge, huge benefit for a lot of industries. And I think that, you know, with the whole AI evolving so fast and a lot of people are quite scared of it, there's the whole saying that AI is not going to take your job. A person using AI will. So you need to get ahead of the curve and really, you know, not be scared of it and embrace it. And I think the fact that, you know, AI does save a lot of time for you to focus on more creative tasks is a prime example of that. Yeah. So we're kind of focusing on the step or the one thing of AI being incorporated in the schematic design coming up with these initial sketches. I feel like the client gets a better outcome because they get multiple choices of what that imagination is. So I feel like maybe AI could do a better job just because there's more iterations at a faster pace of interpreting that imagination or that imagined image. Exactly. And the fact that you get the freedom there with the AI to generate different styles and different concepts is kind of like, you know, how you mentioned about having the freedom to to choose between different styles and to give you that inspiration that you might not have known was there in the first place. You might even get the same, if not a better result than you would have thought originally. So yeah, it's quite interesting to have an idea, see it visualized, and then just be able to get even more inspiration from from that initial image. Yeah. Well, and I see this also as a great opportunity for architects, for engineers to like, instead of having a complete blank canvas, now they have some framework to start with and they can also draw inspiration from these first images that are created, right? So they can take that first schematic image that's a very surface level, very zoomed out, and then they can start designing the intricate pieces of that with some new inspiration. Yes, exactly. New inspiration is exactly, you know, it's something that, you know, not even in terms of architecture, but for example, if you wanted to design like a wedding dress or something for a special event that you would want very bespoke and something that you wouldn't want to purchase in a store you know it gives you a chance to express yourself in a way that's extremely unique and develop a whole new you know genre of style that might not exist yet yeah no that's fascinating I love that 
So that's kind of the first step is kind of generating these images at the very get-go of a project to then for the architect or the structural engineer to carry through all the way through design and construction. But let's talk about, and I know this is very on the forefront, very new, but let's talk about integrating that even further. So integrating AI even further into, say, Revit or Rhino. Do you know of any plugins that use AI to help with design in Revit or Rhino? Yeah, so like you said, this is a very new topic. And even to me, like this is something that I need to immerse myself in a lot more. And it's, it's in very experimental stages. So I've not fully grasped the potentials of it yet. I know of a plugin called Veras, which you can download, V-E-R-A-S. And again, that's the same thing, like you get a trial version and then you can get a paid version where it's a plugin within Revit and it allows you to render and then kind of iterate the design ideas, which is similar to Midjourney in that you can change the style, the texture, you know, the, the season if you wanted to. But I actually don't know that much in depth about it. That is kind of very surface level at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like just getting into it. That's fascinating. It'll be interesting. Even in a year, I feel like things are going to change rapidly. <laughs> Oof, in one year, there's going to be so many different discussions about, you know, the potentials of what we can do. And I think all of these plugins are going to be extremely established. They're going to be used so widely in practice and yeah, it's so exciting to think about how game-changing it's going to be for, you know, not only the architecture industries, but many, many other industries. Yeah. So what energizes you most about AI? I would say the fact that it's so new and exciting and there's a kind of mundanity when you're studying architecture and you find yourself sketching and re-sketching and okay, it's, you know, it, it is on the computer, it's online, and there's a whole thing of, if you get addicted to it, you're going to be staring at a screen. But I, I still find it quite energizing in the fact that it's, it takes you into a different world. It's almost immersive, even when there's, you know, no VR involved. It, you're designing these different dimensions, these different little universes at your hand, and there's no scale, there's no you know, there's no limitations as to what you can visualize. And I just find that so refreshing because often when you're on a project or you're studying something, there's a lot of limitations, that there's a lot of requirements. And with AI, there's just so much freedom to experiment with what you like and you can create your own styles. You can find what you enjoy, you know, what you don't enjoy. I do find it very energizing in that sense. That's so cool. So do you feel like AI has changed your preferred types of architecture, your preferred types of design? That's an interesting question. I would say yes, in a way. And I think an example of this is mid-journey at one point. There are five versions of it out currently. So version one was you know, when it first came out and it was quite limited in terms of graphics, they had to, you know, work on the algorithm for the training model. There were, you know, ethical considerations. And even though I was amazed when it first came out, it's evolved a lot since then. So version four, which was the, you know, 
past recent one, it became quite overtrained at one point in these <laughs> white vaulted parametric structures. And I think that's because a lot of designers were jumping on it for ideas. And, you know, there's a whole trend of biophilia and parametric design going along right now, which was being typed into mid-journey quite a bit. So whenever I was designing something, no matter what I was thinking of and designing, it always became this massive vaulted parametric structure, <laughs> even when I didn't want it to be. And at one point I got sick of seeing parametric design. <laughs> I love parametric design. So for me, it kind of changed my opinion on all of these images and I was thinking you know what I want something more uniformed I want something more sleek and seamless than this you know massive complex structure which I was seeing so I think yeah it does it does tend to shape your your view on design and I think once you're seeing too much of something it's like anything like too much of anything can be bad for you so I think the way that the algorithm is trained in general has a massive impact, you know, on what you perceive to be nice design. Yeah, that's interesting. So were you able to find words, find descriptors to back out of that, to find things that were more geometric and linear? <laughs> Uniform, seamless, <laughs> minimalist. I, I can't even believe I'm saying the word minimalist, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, things that are less complex. And this, again, this is an interesting point because I think that you find yourself experimenting with styles that you never thought you would have in order to achieve something that you're beginning to, you know, develop an interest in. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such a fascinating point too, because I think sometimes like constructability of the things that are complex, like that first image can be really amazing. And for the right project, that's awesome. And like, oh my gosh, amazing and looks so cool. But there's also times where it just needs to be simple and easy to construct. So yeah, trying to find words, descriptors that maybe get it pointed down that direction a little bit more is probably helpful too sometimes for the right project or for the specific project. So I would love to hear just like a case study or like a project that you've had where you have used AI to kind of generate those sketches. Do you have any examples of that? Personally, I don't. I would say I use it quite a bit for ideas and then I go quite heavy on the sketches and I think it's more about the style for me and the aura of just capturing a beautiful image but I do have a friend slash classmate she's doing something amazing right now with her AI and architecture and she's designing interiors so she's designing these beautiful curvy modern very very bespoke pieces of furniture and having them designed in a workshop and then shipped out to clients so although it's not me it is being done and it's just amazing to see how you know that is proof that AI can really really work on such a impactful level you know it can be it can be bought it can be sold it can be made tangible so yeah it is starting to happen yeah that's so cool and I love like 
dreaming a little bit down the road of like how cool it would be to take those images that, you know, almost like your friend, but on the building side. So taking those images and then the architecture engineer uses those as inspiration. Maybe that first image is digitized or, you know, all of the nodes are added and then maybe it's brought into Revit or something. And then the architecture structural engineer takes that initial almost schematic level drawing and then starts manipulating it and designing it, but kind of gets that first framework in the program. I think that would be super fascinating and a great kind of teamwork situation between AI and architects and engineers. Yeah, and that, that's a challenge within itself. So I actually have been building a little bit of AI, if I think about it, in university. So we're studying AI in uni, and the way we went about it was to generate some images that you liked in terms of architectural style, so Baroque architecture or Art Nouveau or you know a style that you're interested in, biophilia, and then making it buildable. And that, that's the challenge is there's one thing to generate pretty images and then there's a one thing to make it buildable, add nodes, like you said, figure out the technical details of it. And I'm not going to lie, I struggled with that at the start because I was generating these beautiful kind of complex curves. And then I was thinking, okay, I've got to make this work on a technical level. And for me, I found it quite difficult to switch from these 2D images to a 3D model. So I was building curves and they were, they were still flat and I was, you know, adding curves on top of curves and they were going in all different directions. So it, for me, that was a process of trying to figure out how to format them, how one curve can inform the next. And because we're studying parametric design, that, that was a huge challenge. And yeah, I think that it would be great for some people to start finding ways to format how to make these AI images buildable and to make the transition more seamless between a pretty image and a physical product. And I think with buildings, that is a particular challenge because obviously you've got to take into consideration safety, regulations, all of this that that there's got to go into it. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in regards to that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, full designs, those are things, you know, for a building, it can take hundreds of hours for an architect to arrive at a full design of a building and the same thing for the structural engineering. So it's not as easy as a click of a button for sure. Yeah, <laughs> But it, it would be great to see a little help with that, right? Like just to make it a little more efficient, because I think just as a society, our clients are wanting things faster than they have ever wanted. <laughs> we are being pressured more than we ever have been as far as getting things done quickly. So if we could have some help with that, it would be greatly appreciated. And I think our whole society could benefit from that as long as it's done responsibly and, you know, with parameters, with boundaries and, you know, everyone is aware of what is what is going on. So not to go off on a tangent there, but <laughs> I would love to just kind of pick your brain too, because we kind of started going down that path a little bit. And I think it'd be good to stay there. What are some things that you do 
to recharge. So I kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, a lot of times we're under a lot of pressure and we have tight deadlines and stuff. So there has to be a flip side to that. So what do you do to recharge? What are some things that you do when you're not doing architecture? I'll say like I really adore and respect this question because it's something that's so overlooked and we were talking about before how five years ago if you were to think about mental health people would they just wouldn't consider it but kind of since COVID people have started thinking about it more so it's become a lot more well established and we've had we had a few training sessions in Zaha where a neuroscientist would come in and talk to us about the best ways to recharge. So for me personally, I really enjoy taking walks in nature and taking baths and just taking time to, it's like a mixture between switching off completely and staying switched on. So whilst I go on a walk, if I'm thinking I still need to practice for a uni project, maybe I'll take a sketchbook with me and do a nice a nice watercolour sketch. So I think that is vital to take time to take a nice bath, go on a spa day, go on a walk, and you can practice something if it's relaxing to your mind. Yeah, I love how like you innately have that just barometer of knowing like, there. so all of us, like there's tasks that we do that require full brain power. That's our work. You know, a lot of times, I guess for you and I, that's our work, but that's being very intently focused on the work that we do. And the best success for that or the best opportunity for success is to have other times where either our brain is completely shut off and just recharging, or like you mentioned, like maybe you're half in, half out. So maybe you're taking a walk and also generating sketches. And it's just in that moment, in those times where you're able to kind of access that creativity. Because so many times I think when we're really drilled in and intently focused, that is almost at the expense of creativity because we're so into the details. So it's important to take a step out. I love how you said that. I think that is so, so important. Yeah. There's one more point to add to this. I could talk about this for a long time, but nature is paramount to mental health and wellness so even when you go to somebody who's trained in knowing and telling you when to switch off a therapist a doctor a neuroscientist some of the top tips will be take a walk in nature make sure that you get plenty of natural daylight into your bedroom you know even for me taking a bath that's water you're soaking yourself in water even making sure that you stay hydrated or lying in your garden in the sun it all connects back to the elements you know the grass the water the sunlight the beach all of these kind of things so I think that if there is somebody who's looking to switch off switch your laptop off (laughs) get out the house it sounds so cliche but anything connected to nature I think is the key to well-being and wellness 100% that's my opinion (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And as you're talking, Kat, like I'm realizing the almost like the juxtaposition of this of like AI work is machine learning. So it's very mechanical and nature is basic and very nature, I guess. And I feel like those two are kind of both at extremes of the line or whatever, but I think it is so important to have both of them, to have a 
balanced life. But I can't help but think of it's almost like two ends of the spectrum, like machine, AI work, and very natural nature, basic connection with things that have been around forever. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a massive contrast there, isn't there? And nature again like just looking out onto a field or a nice scenic it looks very simple very seamless but actually I think there's a complexity there that and we study this you know the complexity behind nature's systems like a leaf or a simple fly and all of I mean I could talk about this for ages but the complexity behind nature there's a lot of similarities there between you know what goes on behind coding and everything that goes into machine learning and scripting and you know like an L system is a branching system and how these trees I mean yeah I can go off on a tangent but yeah there's something very poetic about the intricacies behind nature and technology and how they're so similar in so many ways and different in so many ways yeah Right. So like one of the things that I love to do, I love to watch the sunrise in the morning because it's so grounding to me and it's like predictable. Like the sun is always going to come up and it's always going to be beautiful. Like it's going to look different a lot of times, but it's always going to be beautiful. But that feels and seems in the moment so simple, like you were talking about, like so many things in nature, like they seem so simple. But when you really think about it, The sun is a ball of fire and we are revolving around it and also rotating. It's a very complex system, but in the moment, it feels very simple and grounding. Yeah, you cannot beat a good sunrise. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) maybe a good sunset, but yeah, it's it's breathtaking. It really is. The complexity behind nature. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I guess that makes sense that we're drawn to that, right, as a, a sense of recharging too. And I think it's also important as we're designing spaces and buildings and environments to incorporate these things because not only do we need them as designers, like our people, our clients that we're building these structures for also need places to recharge. Yeah. And the contrast, again, we're we're building nature, we're designing it. So in cities, there's a growing demand for nature now and, and green spaces when there's such a lack of it. So again, to the AI, we can say, design nature for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Right. So biophilia, I feel like that is such a new field of design because that's like a whole separate area of design that could also utilize AI, I think, too, because like buildings have been around forever. So we all have preconceived notions of what a building should look like. Biophilia is fairly new. So I feel like the sky's the limit, I guess, as far as what those designs can be, too. And what a great thing to think about using AI to design these biophilia designs as well 100% yeah I think the legitimization of you know biophilia is a very recent thing they've made it something that can be defined very recently so with that comes the design aspects behind it and what do we want as humans you know what what makes us happy as we were talking about before what makes us connect with nature and it's amazing what the AI can do when you think of the potential of that. And this is why I think that it's a great thing not to be scared of it. Even with ChatGPT, you know, you can just type into the website. If you think of WellAP certifications, which is 
for those who don't know, it's a, you know, it's a wellness certification to say I'm able to design buildings with wellness in mind. And this is a fairly recent thing as well, since well-being has become so important. So you can utilize this and say, right, if I know a little bit about wellness in architecture and the regulations behind it, say to ChatGPT, design me a building or a concept that has wellness in mind and incorporates nature and make this abide by the regulations of WellAP. And then you've just designed something that's not only connecting somebody with nature, but there's science and there's regulations that are backing those requirements. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the AI can aid hugely in in wellness and well-being. And I think for me, that's a massive thing is to design spaces with well-being at the front. That should be like one of the main principles of design because we spend most of our times in buildings, whether we're in the home or in an office, we're surrounded by four walls, (laughs) whether we like it or not, most of our time. So you want to feel refreshed. You don't want to feel confined so figuring out how we do that, AI can be a huge tool in helping with that. Yeah, I love that. I feel like there's so many opportunities for this. Like it's it's fascinating. And what's been really cool too is as we're talking through, like I feel like both of us are like going into uncharted things that we haven't thought about before. So it's been so awesome to kind of explore those opportunities and those thoughts. If you could come up with one theme song, for AI in architecture, what would it be? Oh, okay. I would say there's a song called Crazy by Seal. Okay, yes. There's a lyric. I mean, there's multiple points in that that I can relate back to. So there's a line that says, in a sky full of people, only some want to fly. Isn't that crazy? So there's a lot of people that have this fear of AI and there's some people that really want to embrace it and just jump in. And I think that embracing AI, learning it as a really powerful tool is key to evolving technology. And there's also a line in it, you take a blue pill or a red pill like the Matrix. And it's, again, like a lot of people just feeling comfortable with staying in their reality and wanting to stay, you know, they stay happy, that's fine, but they're not wanting to venture out into uncharted territory. And there's some people that do, and it's the ones who do venture out into AI and start learning new things and just immersing themselves in this new world that will fly and that will find these amazing connections, like whether it's to nature's systems or just new things. So I'd say, yeah, that song for me is something that resembles just embracing something that's extremely different. We're never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. Like you just have to do things that are, you know, a bit scary and uncharted sometimes, but yeah, just really embrace it. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that line is profound too, of in a sea full of people, only some want to fly. Like that's true that not everyone wants to embrace something new. But if you think back in history, there have been other times where things feel scary when new things pop up. Like, for instance, computers, right? Like our predecessors were using drafting tables. And I'm sure that was scary for them to move to computer design. And I'm sure there was a sense of their autonomy feeling 
yes. threatened and their creativity feeling threatened because there's no way that a computer can do what a human can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, like if someone were to hand sketch a whole project and submit it for a permit, it would take much, much longer than mm-hmm. a computer generated one. And it wouldn't be seen as professional and as advanced as a Revit drawing, right? So I feel like people have had to fly before. Yeah. This is just the new thing to fly with. (laughs) I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing, Kat. You are brilliant and you are doing amazing things. And I really cannot wait to see even where the next couple of years take you because I feel like you are not going to settle for anything other than something creative and really, you know, excellence, I guess. So great work so far. And I can't wait to see where the rest of your career takes you. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's been a really interesting discussion. Yeah, I look forward to seeing the future of it too. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Unstruct and know someone else who would, please share it with them. And if you enjoy the work that I'm doing here in general, I would really appreciate your rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to help others find the show. Speaking of finding shows, Unstruct is part of the Gable Media Network, a place where you can find even more content like this. To see the catalog of shows focused on our built environment, visit gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Lastly, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe before you go so that you don't miss the next story from within the walls and how they stand today. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day I, i i don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one God. that came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Woo! Woo! Woo!
Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.